RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Hey, gang, welcome back to another edition of the Real Animals podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Today, I'm going to get a chance to spend a little time with our good friend, the Mogan Man, Captain Blair Wiggins, the host of Addictive Fishing. He's got a really incredible thing that he started doing uh, with a clam restoration project on the Indian River Lagoon, and uh, I think you're going to like it. Uh, Blair's an interesting guy, really looking forward to doing this podcast, so I really hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast presented by Contender Boats. If you're looking to build that once-in-a-lifetime custom-built boat, then look no further than our good friends at Contender Boats. Joining me today, again, uh, the Mogan Man, one of the TV legends uh, coming out of the great state of Florida here, my good friend Blair Wiggins. Blair, how are you, brother? Doing well. I still feel like a new kid on the block, bro, man. I don't feel like I've been doing it that long to be called a legend. Well, I, you know what? <laughs> but you got to listen. You know, you and I just, we just did the radio show here a couple of weeks ago, and I, I want to say that the number you gave me was 21 years, right? Yeah. Is that right? 20, listen, yeah. listen, you've been doing, if you've been doing TV for 21 years, my friend, um, at the level to which you've been able to do that with addictive fishing and all of the things that you've done. Um, I, and it's weird because now you live on the on the Space Coast and I live on the West Coast of Florida. But in, if I ever am missing, you know, Blair Wiggins, all I do is go to Dick's Sporting Goods and I walk in and I, your picture's everywhere and I feel like I just spent an hour with Blair Wiggins. So that kind of makes you a legend, bro. That's how that works. <laughs> That's how that works, dude. You know. Uh, I guess if you if you hang around long enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm with you there, brother. Well, you've hung around a long time. You've done a great job. We got to start at the beginning with this. Um, I know we we talked some of this about some of this on the radio show, but um, for those people that you know don't catch the radio show there on 970 WFLA or on 620 WDAE, um, let's talk about how this whole thing started for Blair Wiggins. I think a cool piece, and I was thinking about this on my way over here today was you and I both being Air Force veterans is kind of a cool piece. I, I just, it, it, when you said it, and I think I knew that before, but when you said it during the radio show, I'm like, wow, there's a, there's kind of a, a weird connection between you and I right there. You know, both of us getting a start in the, in the U S Air Force. Only brother fisherman, brother vet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of a neat thing. What did, <laughs> what did you do? I, and I might've asked you this too. What did you do? What did you do in the Air Force? I was a 462, which was a weapons crew. Okay, weapons. I worked right. on, uh, kind of got paid for what we knew, not what we did, because I didn't do, when I was in, we didn't have any, we had a couple little skirmishes, but uh, not uh, not anything like what's been going on the past, you know, what, 17, 19 yeah. years now. I, I actually I, mean, I actually feel bad um, if, if Beth and I are sitting at church or I'm in a, in a group somewhere and 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 that somebody says, you know, can we get all the veterans to stand up? I'm the guy still sitting down clapping because I was in for six years, nine months, three days. And and we didn't, nothing went on. We didn't have any, there was no, I mean, I spent three and a half years in Germany of which I was on the base basketball team. So I traveled all over Europe playing hoops and then got stationed at McDill, which we like to call, <laughs> which we like to call McDisney because it was palm trees and beautiful and, you know, it was a training wing, so we had we flew a lot of sorties, but you know, obviously, we're not 
we're not doing anything. So, you know, our big TD, our big TDY every year was to go up to Panama City there, and 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 for some reason they ske- always scheduled it during spring break. So, I just never had, <laughs> I never had that. You know, with what you see on TV that our veterans are going through today, um, you know, having to go over there to the desert and do all that dirty work, it, it to me, I feel exactly the same way. Like I, you know. I wasn't in during any of this stuff that these kids have been going through now. So it just doesn't seem the same to me. Yeah, it was, it was, I think, uh, about eight months. Uh, I had been out for, for about eight months and then desert storm started. And uh, a lot of my buddies that, uh, I'm still friends with now were over there and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it changed them a little bit. For no sure. doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, thank them every day for their service. You know, yeah. even, it's uh, it's rough road, man. But uh, yeah, thank the veterans out there every single day. Yes. That, uh, Freedom's not free. They go through. Yeah, freedom isn't free. There's no doubt about it. So, so yeah. you end up you end up over there on the space coast. Um, obviously, loving to fish. Tell tell everybody how addictive fishing gets started. Well, I was born and raised there, and uh, actually born in Lakeland, but uh, ended up over in Cocoa Beach. Uh, oh God, I guess by the second grade, and uh, was in Cocoa before that. And there's a there's a big island in between Cocoa and Cocoa Beach. A lot of people don't know that <laughs> Cocoa. You call you call somebody from Cocoa come from Cocoa Beach. Oh, you're from Cocoa. It's kind of offensive, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but. Uh, no, I don't take any offense. But yeah, I mean, back in the day, it was like yeah, you had Cocoa Beach mids and then Cocoa. But uh, grew up over there, and uh, you know, you said we joined, I joined the Air Force, and uh, a lot of people in the Air Force always ask me, so why didn't you put in for Patrick Air Force Base? I'm like, you know, I, I did everything to get out of Cocoa Beach, guys. Right. I didn't want to go back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, after my stint in Germany, I went to a training base over in uh, over in Tucson, Arizona. They stuck me in the desert. So I went from, you know, as you well know, Germany to the desert uh, is is a 180 degree change. Total shock to the system, yeah. Yeah, rain, 100% humidity is 0% humidity. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, you know, after I got out of the after I got out of the military, I got a job working on the space shuttle, and decided after about five years that uh, you know, government contracts and working for the government was nothing that I wanted to do. I'd uh, Oh God, I don't even want to say it, but I ballooned up to about 275 pounds working out there. And, uh, cause I was just, you know, government job eating ho-hos, yo-hos, and mo-hos, and <laughs> breaks every 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, it just, you know, it, it wasn't for me out there. So I quit that job and became a fishing guide. And, uh, after doing that for about, about 10 years, I, uh, decided, Hey, you know, this is killing my body. And it was a job that I needed to really start when I was about 18. Uh, oh, no. but, uh, yeah, started, started my fishing guide business and uh, it got so busy. I, I was able to quit the Cape and, uh, guiding full time for about 10 years and started doing TV shows with actually did one of my first shows with Rick Murphy, uh, that, you know, years and years ago. Nice. And, uh, and then I started doing shows with Mark Sosin and with just a bunch of the TV, TV guys around. Uh, catch fish and run my mouth. I didn't know the, the marketing end of the business, but <laughs> right. you know, after <laughs> after eight years in the school of hard knocks, you know, I think it was O'Neill Williams told me it'd be about eight or nine years before you come an overnight success. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that was in that was we had a recession in between all that, and it, it was about twelve years I think before we ever uh, made it into the black. So <laughs> it 
been a fun ride. I tell you, I can't stand things. I mean, that's, you know, it's a, it's a perfect job for me because I'm tired ADD. Everything's different every day you get out there on the water. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just a, a life that I love, man. It's, it's great. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So how does one become the Mogan man? How does the... I mean, I know you always talked about the Mogans. Is that how this whole thing started? You just started calling well, fish. I mean, where did that well, come back from? Well, back in the day, me and my, uh, me and my childhood buddy, who's, who's my producer, Kevin McCabe, um, we kind of made up words, you know, growing up on the beach, surfer lingo and stuff like that. Nobody could understand surfers when we talked. And basically, <laughs> we came up and combined words together and make all sorts of crazy words and combination between monster and big and i guess came up and it ended up being mogan and uh you know just for we always knew what a lunker was a lunker is a, you know, a big freshwater bass but right. uh we didn't we didn't never had a name for a big saltwater fish and it kind of felt funny calling a big trout a lunker or a big redfish a lunker so uh it just became mogan's biggest fish of the day biggest fish alive whatever that's awesome but, uh, that's how that came about it's crazy stuff, man. Yeah, no doubt. So if let me let me dive into the the you know twenty one years of fishing and filming, you know, fantastic saltwater series that you guys have been able to put together. What is the one place that if you could, if the good Lord said, Blair, you can only fish in one place for the rest of your life, uh, what would it be, and where would it be, and why? Ooh, wee. yeah, you like that one, huh? Uh. <clears throat> one place to fish for the rest of my life, and that's it, huh? Yeah. And do, do, do I get to do inshore, offshore, and nearshore? Yeah, sure. And I mean, it could be anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, is it is it Louisiana? Is it is it that, Costa Rica? It would have to. Be, oh, it would have to be Louisiana. I mean, because you know, you're you're within striking distance if you're doing Beerus or Venice. Uh, I like to spend a lot of time in Beerus there, but uh, if you're in Venice, you're in striking distance of yellowfin tuna. Um, the, the blue marlin, white marlin. I've seen whale sharks out there, cobia. I mean, you name it, it's out there around the rigs, and you come in shore and you got all the redfish you ever want to catch. I, I, we got tired. Me and Travis Tanner, when I was doing the, uh, we were doing the redfish tour, and we had been pre fishing around Venice for about two weeks, and, uh, and we, it was lunchtime. We decided to take a break for lunch and sat down and pulled up underneath the shade. It was hotter than Hades, and, uh, we pulled up underneath and started eating a sandwich. He had a Snickers bar and redfish started tailing around and there was a bear hook jig head sitting on a rock and he goes, I just wanted and he ripped a piece of his Snickers wrapper off and just flipped it over and caught a redfish. And just, just to prove him to himself it wasn't a fluke, he did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them. So I would, I would have, and trout too, you know, they don't have the most giant trout in the world, but I mean, if you like trout fishing, they got, you know, the most little trout uh, regulations in the world is like trout, but yeah. uh, they just don't have those great big ones like we do on the on the space coast or either you know over there in your neck of the woods. Right. Back, back in your secret little honey hole that I know of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of them over here. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting. A lot of people would choose Louisiana, and I get that because it's a uh, it's a special place. And and I think it's interesting that for those of us who have been going to Louisiana for a long time, and then we get to, we're fortunate enough to get to continue to go almost every year. Uh, it's on my list of places to visit. I think the fishing's changing there. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, the word has gotten out and, and it's, uh, it's something I, I hope they pay attention to sooner rather than later. 
so they don't end up in a situation like parts of Florida are in where, you know, that, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I for me, that's just, and again, it's, it's still spectacular. I mean, we, you know, I went out there last year and filmed a show and, you know, we were, we were up at LA barbecue eating before noon and had caught, you know, 80 redfish in a morning. It was just ridiculous. Um, but, yeah. you know, but I've been, I've been there when we've had to grind for days that you never had to grind. Oh, yeah, before. I've, had to, I've had to grind it out, you know, especially trying to shoot a show and you're after one specific fish. But, you know, if, if you lived out there and that was the only place you had to do it, if the redfish at mom shoot, go out to the rigs and you know, catch something out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Go, go water fishing. You know, depending on what time of year, if you got an airboat or a mud boat, go duck hunt. Right. There's so much to do out there. Sportsman's paradise. And, uh, yeah. I absolutely love it. And I'll tell you what, if it was if it was thirty, forty years ago, I would say Cocoa Beach, Florida, because I mean I had it all there as a kid growing up. Oyster beds, I had lobster in the river, and there's there's scientists out there. Some somebody told me the other day a biologist was out there that said there was never any oysters in the Banana River. I'd love to take him out to my old oyster bed and let him let him dig with <laughs> with uh, his bare hands and see how many oyster cuts he gets on oysters that are, you know, eight inches long and four inches across. And some of the best oyster beds I've, I've ever seen in my life were in the Banana River when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, it, it's gone. Hopefully it comes back. Well, and I guess we're going to talk into that in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and, and that's, and actually that was a great lead into it. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Captain Blair has, started what, what they're calling the IRL Clam Project. Uh, and it's all about clam restoration uh, on the Indian River Lagoon chain. Why don't you, let's talk a little bit about um, about clams and how important they are to our estuaries, Blair, so people understand. You, you've done such a great job and so much homework on this. And, and I think what you're doing is so incredible. I, I think we, we need to try to educate the people so they understand, you know, how important a piece of the ecosystem they are well there's there's a few different projects that are going on over here and I've, i'm sure people have heard about the oyster project that's happening over here and uh that's with the brevard too they've you know they're having some people grow them on their docks and stuff like that and it's working a little bit but uh the oysters that they're putting out they're doing oyster reefs with them and i, I just heard that they're doing okay but um you know if we get you know, oysters are great to have now i'm not bashing anybody for trying to get oyster beds going but right. unfortunately unfortunately with the population we have in Brevard County and you know Indian River County all up and down the Indian River right now there's a lot of people that water their lawns and the affluent fresh water that comes off that goes into the water is just too much fresh water for uh for oysters oysters to survive and if we get a, a little rainy period like we've had the past three to two three weeks where we get 15 17 18 inches of rain over here it drops the salinity so far down in the water that, you know, oysters aren't going to be able to survive if we get a tropical storm on top of that. Right. Look what happened Look what happened to Apalachicola last year when the hurricane hit up there. Their oyster beds up there right now are devastated. Right. Um, you cannot get Apalachicola oysters down because the beds are pretty much gone. Right. Uh, fresh water went in there and killed everything. Now, unlike an oyster, a clam can move. And I was just told one reason why... <clears throat> the clam project uh, isn't wasn't the first thing looked at because you can't go back and study the clams because they move and I, I'm like well they they might move but you can go dig them up but I guess it was too much trouble I don't know I got to get to the bottom of that one but uh, yeah clams move and uh, so they 
rather have something they can just go look at and see. But, you know, the clams can, exactly, a clam can move. If we get freshwater influx like a hurricane or tropical storm or, you know, just a big rainy period that comes in, a clam can dig underneath the sand, underneath the mud. And, uh, do I still have you? Yeah, I'm here. Yep, you got me. Okay, so something beeped. Um, unlike a oyster, a clam can dig underneath the uh, underneath the sand or the mud and stay there until the salinity gets back right. Up to like two weeks, they can stay in the mud before they have to come up and uh, feed again. So, and the clams that the, the clams that they've done, and uh, I've been I teamed up with Whitney Labs, uh, who is up at the old marine land in uh, St. Augustine, University of Florida, took over the labs up there and uh, took over marine land and made uh, Whitney Labs. And that's where they're growing the clams up there. And we're able to do it in a controlled environment. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible what they're doing up there with the clams. But they got them from the south end of Mosquito Lagoon, where the salinity is the lowest at times, the salinity is the highest at times. The oxygen content was really low, and the pollution in that part of the water is extremely high. So the clams that we've spawned, their DNA is—they're like super clams. You know, they've—they've survived uh, drought. They've survived all sorts of different stuff. They're like nine years old, so they've survived the past weather patterns over the past nine years, pollution, and everything else that goes in the water. So hopefully, when we get them reseeded in the Indian River, they're going to grow and and prosper because they are used to the water in this area. Right. Um, so that's, that's the thinking. That's how the scientists are, are, that's how we're able to do this and not bring in any foreign clams. You know, I always thought, Hey, why don't we breed a Louisiana clam? Those clams out there are the toughest clams in the world. You know, they, they filter oil and gas and nasty, <laughs> you know, nasty water. And, uh, he said, you know, and the scientists told me, they said, you know, it sounds like a good idea, but those clams out there have been out there for thousands, thousands of years. And, you know, millions of gallons naturally have bubbled up throughout the years out there through the marsh and they're, they're used to the oil and you put them out here and the DNA might be, you know, some weird strain DNA that crosses with this DNA and they put out a, a clam that would kill every other clam and then they die out. You know, it, it just, you would mess up the natural ecosystem. So I was like, okay, well, let's, let's do it your way, but let's get the clams out there. Let's do it. Right. Uh, so they, so they went and got a couple of clams, a couple, you know, I think I got like 24 clams. Uh, I spent most of the day trying to find those. And, uh, you know, in areas back when I was a kid, you'd walk in, you know, a 10 yard area, you'd get a thousand clams out of it. But, uh, they spent all day out there and got like a two dozen clams and uh, just a couple of them were real good spawning clams. And, uh, our, our goal, our first goal was 2 million clams and we got 6 million that are growing right now. So we're, we're 4 million clams ahead of schedule. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And what, I mean, it, I, I want to say w- when we were talking about the clam's ability to filter, you know, our, our estuaries is, is just the numbers were staggering. I thought you had told me what those numbers were, and I can't remember off the top of my head what they are, but I, I was just blown yeah, away. You basically a good size, half dollar size clam, you know, the good perfect size eating clam that you like to eat. You know, because little, I like them a little bit better than a, than a, a, a chicken neck or bottleneck clams or something right. like that. Yeah. I don't know what they call them, but I like them a little bit better than a than a half dollar. And uh, one that size will filter anywhere between thirty five and fifty five gallons of water a day. Yes, that's incredible. That's and incredible. So we start we start and what happened back here in the nineties, um, the commercial clam industry and it happened in every clam bed from 
things you've done to our neck of the woods, and even over there in your neck of the woods. Uh, the commercial industry came and took them down to a point of non-sustainability. Yes, you can still find clams out in that area, but there's not enough clams in a certain square yard area uh, for when they released everything for the magic to happen and you know everything everything to be fertilized. Right. Um, there's just there's not enough per square foot or you know per square yard uh, for them to for them to breed and and repopulate. So our our project is basically to get them to a point of uh, sustainability again and beyond. I mean, you know, if we had, if we're able to get them out there and get the clam beds like they were in the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, and and keep working south, you know, even Grant's clam beds and oyster beds down in Grant, Florida, you know, the, the Grant Seafood Festival. I think they they still they got to ship in all their clams and fish down there now. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when it used to be all local seafood, local oysters. I mean, it's uh, not, a lot, not a lot of it's local anymore. Well, and, I, and I, I know you and I talked about the, you know, that, that commercial industry was taking so many clams, unfortunately. Um, and it, it, at times we just don't pay attention to what the damages yeah, well, are going to be. Back in the day, dude, I was screaming my head off and, you know, you got to put some kind of regulation on this to the, you know, the FWC there. But, you know, at that time I was screaming at the wrong people. I didn't know who to talk to. And I was just a fishing guy out there on the, you know, right. uh, screaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a little older, a little wiser now. And, uh, I, got, I got a little say in the fishing industry. I've been finding out with this, uh, project we got coming up, but I'm like, I'm I'm just blown away with you know with the fundraiser we got coming up and we'll talk about that here after after we talk more clams. Yeah, and, well, uh, I mean, I again, it's you know, um, obviously, all you've done in the industry, um, you know, building the addictive fishing brand and all that incredible stuff is is just awesome. Um, your reputation, um, it, it, and it just really it motivates me uh, being very blessed as well in the fishing industry, the opportunities that I've been given and all that to, to make sure that I give back. And, and I think it's important for the people of, of Florida, the anglers of Florida, um, the people who use our waterways every day to understand that with the amount of people that's coming, that are coming into the state of Florida every single day, the way the population, if you're ever around the Tampa Bay area, it's absolutely ridiculous over here, the amount of people that are pouring in every single day. The amount of people we see at the boat ramps, the amount of people we see on the water, the kayakers, the wade fishermen, the bridge fishermen, the, the boaters. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. We can't continue to keep taking and taking without some kind of, you know, conservation efforts to make sure that we keep these things sustainable. The fishing, the clams, you know, the oyster beds, all that stuff needs to be, we need to work together to uh, to keep it afloat. I, I know you're a huge Coastal Conservation Association guy, CCA guy, as I am. And uh, it's another one of those groups that I think everybody should be supporting along with this project that you're doing here, Captains for Clean Water. What they're doing in the in the south part of the state down there to get that problem fixed and rectified is is incredible. It's another great organization that everybody should be a oh, part yeah, of. Oh, yeah, they have made Chris Whitman and his, his clan down there has made it. We've made it national news now and you know, that I'm, I am so glad that the Everglades have got the national news, but what's happening up here in the Indian River in my neck of the woods is just as bad as what's happened down there. Sure. What's, happening, what's been happening here has been happening to this area longer or just as long 
as it's been going on down there and this has been ignored. Right. Right. Uh, my neck of the woods has. Well, it seems but, to me, it seems to me, and I've been, I've been guiding just over 19 years. And it seems to me that, that the estuaries in general, although there is some efforts being made against CCA, um, to, to, you know, push the conservation efforts in the state of Florida. But, you know, when, when you're, I want to say there's like 270,000, 280,000 members in the country of CCA. That's not enough. It's just not enough support, you know. And, and when things come up like your clam project, it irritates me that people complain about the water quality. And I hear it over here all the time. You know, people are like, hey, you ever fish over there in the lagoon? And I'm like, God, yeah, I've fished over there hundreds of times. It's an incredible fishery, one of my favorite places to visit. Um, you see things over there you can't see anywhere else in the state of Florida. Absolutely beautiful. And and every everyone you talk to says it's getting less and less and less beautiful <laughs> because of yeah, the water well, quality issues, and that's sad. October 5th is the date. October 5th. October 5th, and it's over there, Cocoa Beach? No, Cocoa Village in downtown Cocoa. Okay, nice. Yeah, I got to get that. I got to understand that. Cocoa Beach and Cocoa, two different things. I got to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's it's the old uh, if you're familiar with Coco at all it's in Coco Village it's the old Coco Library and we got uh, the city of Coco has done wonders for us they basically gave us the whole complex which includes the the park out back which backs up to the Indian River we're going to have a, a kids uh, fishing derby that morning from uh, eight to twelve uh, kids will start fishing at nine uh, be over at eleven we're going to have awards hamburgers hot dogs. Uh, and then some afternoon entertainment at the park. Um, and, you know, anybody's, if anybody wants to bring a, uh, this isn't limited to my sponsors either. And if anybody out there is listening, wants to bring a, a tent and set up and sell your product, come on. Anything that we can do to raise money for this river is, uh, that's my goal. I don't care who's, uh, who comes in. It can be, you know, I don't care. Right. <laughs> We're just it's, looking it's, to raise money for the cause. We're looking to raise money. This has uh, it has a lot to do with addictive fishing, but it also has a, everything to do with everybody that enjoys this river right. and our estuary over here. And it's October so, October fifth uh, is the date. Yep, October fifth. You can get tickets through uh, through our website uh, or go to uh, irlclamproject.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page out there as well. Just put in IRL Clam Project in the search bar and. It will come up and you get two different things. You get the event and the web and the uh, Facebook page. And we do have a, my son's doing all this. So, And I know you've, uh, you've got a pretty heavy list of hitters coming to the, to this event as well. For those people out there listening that are looking forward to possibly meeting some of the guys they watch on TV. I was looking at your list. It's a pretty sexy list. Yeah, if you if you've ever wanted to uh, wanted to sit down and have a dinner, in the, and I was getting to that there, and next to the convention center is one of the oldest houses in Brevard County called the Porsche House, and we're setting up twelve or thirteen tables or fourteen tables. Or my goal is fourteen tables in there to uh, to have a celebrity sit down and have dinner with six guests at the table. Nice. Uh, kind of like if you've ever been to a CCA banquet, they sell one big table in the middle with a lobster dinner. We're doing basically 14 with six people in the, uh, in the, uh, host nice. celebrity. Um, my, my wife's calling them legends. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, let me see if I, I normally read this off my phone. Let me see if I can remember everybody that's coming here. We got Roland Martin, Scott Martin, Shaw Grigsby, 
Uh, Mike Anderson's coming. How about that? Wouldn't that be great? No, he's not coming. Uh, That's right. We talked about that last yeah, night. We I'm did. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very uh, sorry. If it wasn't my daughter's homecoming, I'd be there. I would I would rather you be at your daughter's homecoming and come over here. The, clam, the clams will be here. Well, Thank we'll... You. We listen for what it's worth, and, and I want to make sure we noted this. You and I talked about this. My check is in the mail today, and it's all I had to do. All you had to do was go to the irlclamproject.com, donate here. You can donate. It says real big letters, donate. You can make your donation right there. And as most of you know who know me, I, I wrote a check to Captains for Clean Water. I'm a life member of CCA, and now I've written a check to this clam project because that's how much this stuff means to the state of Florida, how much it means to all of us. I've got a, a seven-year-old grandson who's absolutely amazing, and uh, I want him to be able to, you know, jump in this vehicle with me and roll over there, splash the boat, and roll into Mosquito Lagoon and be able to catch fish and do the things that I've enjoyed to do in this state for 20 years. So I'm hoping that everyone will get this message and, and come over there and help you out. Now, who else is coming? you got some real celebrities, too. So the Martin obviously. Martins are coming. Got, uh, let's see. Carter Andrews, uh, he'll, he'll be there. Chrissy Wahebe, uh, and everybody knows Jose Wahebe. That's his daughter. She's in charge of the Jose Wahebe Foundation. They're going to be up here uh, making a presence. Uh, Bear Holman will be up here. Uh, Bobby, La- or Bobby Lane, he, uh, he'll be up there. Um, let me see if I got everybody. See, he's coming. Yeah, see, he's coming. That's a good he'll one. He'll be here. Yeah. And my wife's scrambling around getting my paperwork. <laughs> I know Captain Jim Ross is coming too. Jim told me yep. he was coming, so I know Jim's going to be there. Jim Ross, Rob Fordyce, um, and oh yeah, Justin Jorgensen from uh, Black Tip Beach will be here. So all oh, nice. YouTubers out there that are subscribed to to Josh's site, man, come and uh, come and meet Josh. He's, uh, he's a real interesting person. He mm. knows he knows more about sharks than anybody I think I know. <laughs> well, it's <clears throat> it sounds. But I like- think that's. That's about wrapping up who uh, who's going to be here. Uh, there might be some some more added here, you know, a couple here and there. But uh, just check out the website, and uh, it's going to be a lineup. And after the dinner, everybody will come back into the into the main uh, civic center where there's going to be a fish fry and a barbecue. Uh, but the private dinner will be in the Porsche House, and we're selling those uh, those seats there. Actually, we're selling the tables, and we're. For, I think the tables are going for a thousand bucks, and then each seat on that will be two hundred bucks. But if you if you buy the table, you get the six seats, and that even brings the price down on that. So nice. it uh, it's going to be a pretty good event. I think uh, a lot of people are going to be able to meet a lot of people, and hopefully, we're going to raise a lot of money for a lot of clams. Well, that's the whole uh, that's the whole plan, right? I mean, trying to yep. you know, and, and again, uh, as I said on the radio here a couple of weeks ago, when you and I. Got to discuss this originally. Uh, my hat's off to you, Blair Wiggins, for you know just diving in and doing something. Um, the last couple of years, I've said it on on the radio shows a hundred times. I get so tired of all of the dock talk, all of the parking lot talk at the at the boat ramps, where everybody's just standing around bitching about this and bitching about that and complaining about this, complaining about that. And, and as you ask them, complainers, if they're members of CCA, if they're doing anything, you know. What are they doing to help? It seems to me that they're just they're not doing it. Yep, that's that's basically on the uh, the bitch table, you know. Yeah, there's a, there's a bitch table at everybody's job. Yeah. Everybody knows where the bitch table is. It's, you know, for us guys, it was at the back or sitting at the bar, you know. 
I wouldn't say just sit, everybody sitting at the bar, but <laughs> <laughs> that's where I would go. Right, for sure. Me too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, like you know, I, I just uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do the podcast here. Captain Blair Wiggins, Addictive Fishing, IRLClamproject.com is the website. Please get involved. The banquet is October 5th. It's going to be a big shindig. I wish I was able to come. Georgia's senior year, my daughter's senior year, and I got homecoming that night. I can't miss. Otherwise, I would definitely be over there. I will be at next year's event. Uh, I made my wife. You know what? You know. You know what house you would be in if you missed that, right? Yes, right. Yeah, and it's not the Porsche house. It's not the Porsche yeah, not house. The Porsche house no. That's for sure. <laughs> no, not that house for sure. As a matter of fact, it was funny because all this actually went down last night. Um, we had a meeting at my daughter's school and got the whole rundown. And the minute that slide came up on there, I just put my head down. I'm like, doggone it. And I looked at my wife and she's like, don't even look at me like that. I'm like, okay, I got it. It wasn't a, like, I was like, maybe it's, I mean, what do you, no, okay. All right. Well then we're, I'll just, I'll call Blair. <laughs> hey Mike, there's, there's one thing that I, I would really like to run by your listeners. And, um, and I think I told you about this before. And, you know, the clan project's one thing that I'm doing. And the, the other the other project that I would really like to work on, and it's going to be an act of Congress, literally, uh, in Florida here to get it done. And a lot of people don't know this, but everybody that fishes here with a fishing guy from out of state knows this. Um, every fishing guide out there that takes people on the boat has to buy a blanket fishing license <clears throat> to cover the clients that they bring down in their boat. Yep. Florida is Florida is the only state that basically does not require out of state or if you go fishing with a fishing guide, uh, not to have a license. Um, so if we go to, and you know this, if we go to Louisiana and even if we do go with a fishing guide, we still got to buy the $15 fishing license to go with a fishing guide to fish in Louisiana waters. And that money goes to their estuary, their, their rookeries and their, 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 uh, hatcheries. Right. Um, and they're, you know, and to their environmental control systems. I mean, that's, it's what that money goes to. Florida doesn't do that. And I did a little statistic, uh, study over here with, uh, that his wife is, uh, she works in statistics and, uh, we basically narrowed it down. And this is, I think this is going to be a low number when you hear this. Um, but we narrowed it down to say, you know, one fishing guy does 100 trips a year and takes two people a day and does a hundred trips. Uh, right now the state is making $203 off that fishing guide, taking those people. If the state charged those people $10 a day to fish in, in the waters, they're already spending 750, 800 bucks going with a fishing guide. Right. Uh, what's another five, $10 to go, uh, to, to go to the environment, you know, five, $10 to buy a, a fishing license. For sure. I, yeah. think, I think Louisiana has got it figured out done right. They, they charge, a I think, what was it, a $30, yeah, $30 for a three-day fishing yeah, I want to say, I think something. it is $30 for three days. I think that's what it is, yeah. And if you want to fish your fourth day, you got to buy another three-day fishing license. Or if you're going to go to Louisiana throughout the year, if you spend 90 bucks, you get a full year's fishing license. So you either spend 30 60 or 90 right. And if you, you know, why not spend 90 and get the whole year in case you want to come back that's, eight or 10 or 15 times. That's what I always so, do. I always just buy yep, my 90. Yeah. I always just buy that. Spend the 90 bucks and get a year license in Louisiana. Yeah. Yep, that's what we always did. But yep. that money right there in Florida, we could generate a quarter billion dollars a year, a quarter billion. 
with a uh, B. Yeah. And I think that's a, and I think that's a low number. And it's not going to discourage. I think it's a really low I, number. And I don't think it's going to discourage anybody coming down here that that really cares about this fishery and the environment in Florida. I don't think an extra ten dollars that you know they spend for a, for a license is gonna is gonna deter them from coming. And if it does, you know, really. Well, then we we don't want them fishing in our waters anyway. Don't, don't want them fishing in our waters anyway. <laughs> down here, sort of our fish, taking our fish. <laughs> I mean, exactly. You know, it's. Uh, I think it's you know there's there's somebody else out there, and the government said it's time they need to pay. You yeah. know, well you and you let me know when you when you decide it's time to push that button and start pushing that and pushing that. I'm, I'm in to help you on that one too because I again I think it's a no brainer and I don't believe that most of the full time guides in Florida um, and there's a lot of part time guides here in Tampa Bay especially um, they fish way more than a hundred trips a year. Oh yeah, that's why we do. That's why we average it, and we average it on fifty thousand guides. Right, right. That probably, that number's probably low too. <laughs> when, you, when you count, and when you count in part-time guides and full-time guides and six-pack guides and you know twelve-pack sure. guides, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's a that's a pretty realistic number that we could raise. And with that money, dude, we could put in culvert pipes to pump in clean water, especially here in in the lagoons and anywhere they put in causeways that block water flow. Right. Um, you know, to put in fresh water that, that used to be a lot saltier and a lot healthier. I mean, right. the, the culvert pipe idea is, you know, I think going to be the way to go over here in, in my neck of the woods and the whole Indian River Lagoon system because the uh, it would, you can't put inlets in. That'll destroy the beach and, you know, everybody will be on a flood. Right. They get flooded out here. But a culvert pipe that put in the water slow to restore natural flow south, um, I, I really think that's going to be the way to go. And I got other scientists that are studying that right now saying that you, you, you might have. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a fisherman though, man. I don't That's it. Just, <laughs> just a fisherman, just an ex air force guy turned fishing legend, the host of addictive fishing, Captain Blair Wiggins. Again, the IRL clam project it's IRLclamproject.com is the website. Go to the website, make a donation, help Blair, help us in this project to, uh, to help clean up the Indian River Lagoon over there. If you've never been over there to fish, shame on you. If you love to fish, you, you need to get over to that estuary. It's, it's a beautiful estuary, and it's nothing compared to what it was 15 years ago. Um, and I think Blair's on to something, uh, onto a great way to, to restore it and get it back to uh, its vibrance. So, uh, Blair, I, I can't, there's no way I can tell you how much I appreciate your efforts. I appreciate you involving me in it. Uh, I appreciate your time today on the podcast. If you anything I I can do to help you, as you know, keep me in the loop. My check's coming your way. You should probably have it by tomorrow. So, uh, again, keep me in the loop. If there's anything I can do to help you, brother, let me know. Keep up the good work. Appreciate everything you do, Mike. And uh, anybody that wants to come over, you can go. Like I said, you can go to the CCA website or you can go to my website. Uh, you can buy tickets there to get to the event. There's going to be so many raffle prizes and auction prizes and. Uh, I mean, you're going to go away, I guarantee you, hopefully with more than 50 bucks that you put into, uh, the river, just with the prizes and, and stuff alone that I'm, that I'm rounding up from, from everybody from Titusville to Stewart. Well, my so, stuff, uh, my stuff's on its way over to Bull Bay Rods is coming over yep. there. I'm going to send some rods over there and I donated a charter that you're going to have to do with it, whatever you want. So again, you know, hats off to you, your wife, your family, the whole addictive fishing team. Keep up the good work, my brother. And I appreciate your time today. You're the man. All right, thanks, Mike. Take care and uh, be safe out there. I'll talk to you soon. 
Well, how about that? Our good friend, Captain Blair Wiggins. What a great uh, podcast. Uh, Again, great energy. You know, 21 years of addictive fishing TV. Uh, The Mogan Man now involved in this clam project, uh, IRLClamProject.com. Check it out. Again, I made a large donation to the Clam Restoration Fund uh, for what Blair is trying to do. Um, We're hoping that this takes roots uh, in the Indian River and that we can bring it to other places in the state of Florida and other states as well. So uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Obviously, we appreciate you checking out the Real Animals podcast. They're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Now, it's real important that you do me a favor here. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, All of those things kind of help make it easier to find the Real Animals podcast for uh, other people who want to check us out. We try to drop new episodes on you each and every Tuesday. So uh, be looking for them to come your way. And again, a big thank you out to Captain Blair Wiggins. God, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. That one was a lot of fun. Radio Influence Tampa Bay is always interested in adding new podcasts that are focused solely on the Tampa Bay area. If you have an existing podcast that fits the bill or have an idea that you want to bring to life, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence and Radio Influence Tampa Bay. The future is now.